0: Hi, everyone. My name is James Hancock with Bryson French, and we are Bible Study, the weekly Bible-focused podcast where we seek answers from God's unchanging Word to encourage you toward a steady walk with Him. And in this week's question and topic, uh, how do we approach the Old Testament? Uh, That's what we'll be discussing. We'll go into it. uh, Before we dive into it and sort of set the scene or the table, uh, if you have additional questions you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to email us at BibleStudyPod at gmail.com. We also have our Instagram as well, where we'll be posting uh, different things about the episodes, different resources for you, as well as uh, it's it's an opportunity for you to submit questions that way too. So uh, it'd be a blessing to us. We hope to you know address and produce content that, uh, you would be interested to hear, to teach us more. And it's also a learning experience for us too, like to understand more about what the Bible has to say about these different questions that we have. That's the whole idea of, of this podcast. But uh, yeah, feel free to to submit those questions to us via email or Instagram. And uh, let's talk a little bit about our weeks. We got a, a lot to cover here. So I don't know how much we'll, we'll be able to, to discuss about those weeks.
1: Well, uh, I think we should first address the fact that this episode is coming out a little late.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Um, and that is was due tough. To, it's been it's been a crazy week. it's hard to kind of remember going back. Sunday, I don't know. our our recording days have definitely kind of slipped out of Sunday evenings, which is what we started doing. Yeah um, but it's very busy. You know, I get out of church on Sunday evenings and then I'm going to find food and try to get homework finished up for Monday and the college. that's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of not happening anymore. So, we moved to Mondays. Yep. And what was going on this Monday? What happened? I don't remember.
0: It was just. Oh, a, had
1: some, a, oh, go ahead. I had some tests to take and I had some group projects to work on. Yeah. And, yeah, stuff like that. And then Tuesday, for me at least, I don't know what you did, what was going on for you. <laughs> for me at least, um, uh, was more group project stuff, and then. Uh, I had a faculty football game here at school, and honestly, I just really wanted to go to that, so I did.
0: So here we and are. It was it was totally worth it. Wednesday Sorry evening, guys. Recording this and being ready to get this out. So, uh, we said weekly, right? It, the, I guess the goal was Wednesday, but it, it we can still produce this within the week. If you there's the other side. I hope of the you coin can edit really it. fast this time. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll see. We, uh, we better not mess up. <laughs> We'll see. Um, but but yeah, my week been busy as well between work and just preparing for this too. There was a lot to prepare for. Uh, figuring out how to approach this and and talk about it in a way that gives reverence to the Bible and uh, truly you know understands what what the Bible has to say. I did take a weekend retreat to uh, not Colleen. I keep wanting to call it Colleen, but it's Harker Heights, which is north of Austin. But you know where where you and I went, but it was, it was fun. It was a nice little retreat. I, got, I, I caught a fish. That's all I'll say Ooh. about that. Yeah. So.
1: Oh, but you got a you got a good fish tale for that.
0: Um, for fish story. Okay, the way that I caught it, it was so nonchalant. It was the most nonchalant catch I've ever ever caught so i'm not the most enthusiastic <laughs> fisherman but i will fish like if somebody says let's go fish and i want to go fish and i might not know everything about it but i we were just about done and we were about to it was with a buddy of mine good friend of mine i've known for years and um we're, we're like okay well you know let's go eat we're kind of hungry and so you know right before we leave like, ah, you know, maybe you, I, I mentioned something and I can't, no, I don't remember exactly what I, what I said. There's something to the effect of, ah, you know, there's always next time or something, you know, there's plenty of other spots we can, we can explore. And then right as I said that, I, I, there's plenty of on. other
1: places to find fish. Right.
0: See. Yes. Except we were actually talking about fishing. Um, and yeah, well, it, well, what that, else would that mean? I don't know. You tell me. Fisher of men, I guess. Fisher, can... fishers and men. That's true. Um, but yeah, in that moment, it was just like, oh, hey, fish on. And then I, I reeled it in. So that was fun.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a fun weekend. Yeah,
0: it, it was. Um, didn't give me a lot of time to, to prepare for this. So that's...
1: And this is know. one. I know you mentioned it, but it was for me too. It, there was a lot of study that went into this. And not oh. so much that it needed it because it filled up fast. <laughs> yeah. Like every minute of study, there was a good bit of content pushing out. But I don't know. There was just so much more to get into. I mean, the talking... Old Testament is kind of massive,
0: so you know. But... Yeah. It's like an entire I don't even want to say half because it's not it's not like half. We I think you'll break down the percentage, but without further ado, let's get into it. Um so here's what we'll we'll talk about, you know. We won't go through verse by verse, line by line. Wait, that wasn't the plan? The law by law of the entire Old Testament. <laughs> that's not what that's not what we're going to be doing. Uh, could it, be a we future didn't do that, series. We didn't do that much study. But what what we're trying to do is kind of discuss the Old Testament and the law in general. Uh, we want to elevate an appreciation of the Old Testament by showing that it is good and how it points to Jesus and how it fits in the grand picture of the Bible, how it applies to and, and this is more specifically the law, but like you know, how it applies to the Jew in the nation of Israel and what impact Christ had on it, and how it applies to us today. As as Christians, so uh, ultimately exploring the purpose of the law as well, we want to to provide that for you. I I also want to give some warnings here too. You know, it's not just about like what will, what we want to encourage and what we want to teach, but also what we want to avoid, or, or at least give warning to when when reading the Old Testament. You know, we shouldn't. Take old passage or Old Testament passage out of context whenever we're going back and trying to understand it. You know, should we stone adulterers? Right? If you believe, you know, people will come to us and say, you know, you believe the Bible, you believe the God, it's God's word, it's infallible. So if you believe every single part of the Bible, then why don't you believe that we should stone adulterers, or why do we wear weaved? Why do we wear we like mixed fabric clothing, or why do we eat pork and that kind of Excellent. thing? Yeah. makes linen is that kind of thing. Um, so don't take it out of context, but rather look at it as a whole. And that's what we're going to be pointing to. Um, and also we shouldn't, another warning, we shouldn't just say that we're, Hey, we're not under the law. Right. But rather let's look at it and how it was applied. And, and it's still, God has still given this to us in a way that we can understand more about him and more about the Bible as a whole. Anyway, that's, that's the intro. This
1: is kind of more of an introduction to the Old Testament as a whole. I know a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is the law. We could we could have separated this probably into two or many episodes. but We should. should we should be. We should. We could. We, we could. still might be able to. But we're going to get started. We'll see how long we go. Yeah. Um, how much we can pack in in an hour. But <laughs> that said, I'm going to start off with the Old Testament as a whole. Laws, stories, prophecy, all of that, right? There's so much more than just laws. And I think when we think of Old Testament and its legitimacy, we think, well, what about the laws that don't apply to us? Let's look at the big picture here. Yeah. There are really so many stories that verify what the New Testament says and put New Testament ideas into practice. Those are shown in the Old Testament, right? A lot of the New Testament things are, you know, Paul writing to the church, telling us to do you know, be faithful or to grow in, you know, different ways in Christ. And you look into the Old Testament, you see people actually practicing different characteristics and learning different things about God in, in their lives. You know, we see the things happening. Um, so that's one cool thing we can pick up there. Also, the Old Testament is 77% of the Bible. So if we b- believe all scripture is the word of God, don't ignore the majority of what he has to say. It gives more complete coverage of certain doctrines. It shows God working throughout history. And it really does help you uh, get an understanding of Jesus coming. And then later on, we see that Jesus and the apostles lean on it very, very heavily.
0: Right? They used it a lot. Trust us. Trust him, he's an accountant. He knows his percentages. Uh. I do.
1: The Old Testament has a good amount of practicality for us as well. It helps us to understand the big picture of what God is doing and who God is, because it does focus a lot on God's character as a whole. That is kind of one of the overarching themes of a lot of the Old Testament is God's character. I think the majority of what we have to learn about God is from the Old Testament, right? The New Testament is about Jesus and what he did for us in salvation. Yes, there is some part of God in that, But the majority of what we have about God and his characteristics and what his morals are, come from the Old Testament. It also helps us look for the timeless truth. What are the things that haven't changed? Right. The Old Testament prepares us for Jesus, and it shows us our need for him. Yeah. But it also leaves us hungry for him because obviously he doesn't come in the Old Testament. So it prepares you for Jesus, and so you can't just leave that part of the story out if you're, if you're trying to leave. To lead someone to Christ, it's hard to lead them to Christ if you don't have them hungry for Christ yet. And the Old Testament supplies the majority of why we should be hungry for Christ as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that right in the very beginning, Genesis 3, I think it's 15, um, we get the first prophecy of, of, of the Messiah to come and what he will do. So the story of Jesus in the story of man's uh. Atonement and restoration toward God begins in the fall in Genesis. right? So that gives us a better understanding of of the human condition and how it relates to God and how we need a savior.
1: So let's look at second Timothy three, sixteen, and seventeen it says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for proof, for correction. I feel like we've used this verse a lot recently for for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So everything in the Bible reveals something about God or about ourselves. There's not a part of the Bible that doesn't play a part in that. And so it's really, I have written in my notes, everything in all caps and an exclamation point at the end. Everything in the Bible has some purpose for being there. And it is Mm -hmm. profitable to us in some way, whether it's teaching us something about God, something about ourselves or something
0: historically. Yeah. That's straight from how to read your Bible.
1: So Jesus and the new Testament and their use of the old Testament. So I mentioned that, you know, Jesus and the apostles leaned on it a lot and we obviously it's quoted a good bit. Jesus quotes Every book of the Pentateuch and eight of the prophets, I believe. He quoted Deuteronomy the most, which is surprising because Deuteronomy is one of the books that we probably leave out, in our opinion, when we think of like the Old Testament being obsolete and like the least important books. Deuteronomy is right up there, probably. But it was his that's where he came up with his responses to Satan in the wilderness, actually, were from Deuteronomy. And yeah, he quoted that one a lot. I think, actually, I may have had that wrong. He liked Deuteronomy. He may have had Psalms the most. I forget which one it is. It was Deuteronomy or Psalms. So those were the top two. Um, obviously, there's a lot to pick from in Psalms. <laughs> and it's a lot of different books, technically speaking. Psalms is not just one writer writing that whole thing. So. But the Old Testament was already uh, put together sort of as a as a canon, if you will, at that time. Um but he did have lots of quotes from exodus and isaiah as well overall the new testament not just jesus the new testament quotes the old testament over 250 times
0: we talk about matthew a lot like very beginning of matthew very beginning of the new testament goes back and it lists all these names in the lineage of jesus and a lot of those are going to be in the Old Testament and you don't get the full, it's like a list that you, it's easy to pass over and just ignore and go, okay, yeah, great. Now show me Jesus. But that it's included there for a reason, right? It shows you the history and the lineage of of Jesus and how God is through, through imperfect people, God is still orchestrating this plan to bring about the savior of the world. So I think that's interesting that it just kind of kicks it off with a bunch of these names that that you yeah. wouldn't understand fully if you didn't understand the Old Testament. Exactly.
1: So Jesus himself cites creation, obviously explaining the importance of that. Paul emphasizes a good amount of the Old Testament laws in Ephesians 6. Numbers, uh, Moses's faith is recorded in Hebrews a lot of the events of Judges and Ruth, I think at the time, was like in Judges, as far as in the in their Bible, if you will, in the day. Um, so the Judges were recorded in Hebrews. Um, Jesus testifies to the authority of Chronicles, which was obviously one book because there's no first and second. It's just Chronicles. Paul quotes Job because Job is an interesting, an interesting book of the Bible, if you're thinking about it historically. Because it does take place before the end of Genesis, which is kind of weird to think about. Obviously, it's after creation, but it takes <laughs> place at the end. It, it does beat out Genesis for when it ends, at least. Um, yeah, he he quotes Job in, Corinthi- in Corinthians. Um, James quotes Proverbs. Um, Jeremiah's prophecies obviously are fulfilled. Uh, Lamentations was ad- attached to Jeremiah at the time. So that kind of legitimate or legitimizes the two of them at once. And Jesus talks about um living, or Jesus talks about him living in us. And then he quotes Ezekiel 37, 27 in that. Actually, I want to pull that one up. And uh that one is quoted in second Corinthians 6, 16 as well. I think. So let me pull up Ezekiel. Thirty-seven, Verse 27. It says, My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God. I will be their God, excuse me, there's no punctuation there. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So then Jesus quotes God later on, talking about dwelling, his dwelling place, his dwelling place with us, the believers. Daniel, look at Daniel, obviously is very important with a lot of prophecy and some great stories that I really like. Uh, Jesus identifies him as a prophet. And then the 12 minor prophets at the time were considered one book. Um, And so as one of them was cited, then they all had legitimacy. And Jesus spoke of nine of the 12 specifically. Now, what happens if the New Testament doesn't quote an Old Testament book? Do we hold it less seriously then? They still respected it as the canon of Scripture at the time, which was fully put together at Jesus' time. And the principles, even if they don't directly quote a single verse or something like that, the principles carry over. We see that a lot. And so the only books that weren't quoted were Ezra and Nehemiah, which were the writings of Ezra both times, I believe. And so think about what was happening in those books. Any reason to throw those out? Because that's speaking a lot about the attributes of God and him delivering his people, which is obviously big. Esther, this is a controversial one, but there's a lot we can learn from Esther, living by faith, right? Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. So more writings of Solomon obviously, and Proverbs was quoted, so his other writings were included as well. Obviously, Ecclesiastes is an amazing book um, with great spiritual purposes, so don't throw those out either, just because they don't have New Testament quotes doesn't mean they're any less practical or any less important. Um, there are so many different principles and references, you know, even references are made in the New Testament to the principles, if not directly to verses.
0: But i'm sure to support that there's also probably historical archaeological that evidence that we talked about or, this is just off the top of my head but there's there's got to be you know records of those dating back to a certain point of time that show that hey these were around the same time
1: the israelites had a solid collection of, of what they thought was the bible at that point which is <clears throat> the same old testament that we use
0: and so i guess that kind of puts uh an umbrella over the old testament as a whole um now let's dive into the the gritty detail here of you know what what the old testament brings and uh when we think of the old testament i think one of the first things we go to is the law right the law of moses we think of that whenever we think of the old testament we think of that the nation of israel and in the pentateuch right that's what you call it
1: yeah okay the first five books of the bible
0: yeah yeah, we think of that whenever we we think of of the Old Testament and prophets and, and all that. But let's focus on the law a little bit. So what is the Old Testament law? We can understand a little bit about what it is by kind of describing what it's not. You know, it's not an introduction of moral truth to mankind. We talked a little bit of the, about the chronological order of the Bible. Uh, Abraham was before... Uh, the the old testament law was given to to the nation of israel and and when we define old testament law this is it can be synonymous with the law of moses so just keep that in mind so it, it didn't just magically appear with the ten commandments moral truth to mankind didn't do that and there's evidence of this in adam and eve eating of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil man knows difference between uh good and evil right and we even have evidences of sacrifices and offerings being presented to God before it's told in the law of Moses. So we have some idea that God has instructed man. It's really kind like of right int- off the bat, like yeah. being able, we're doing it. Like yeah, that was- <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, there's some way that sacrificing should be done that God has instructed and given as law, right. Before the law of Moses. So.
1: And there was uh, already an idea of right and wrong, and what what the purpose of the sacrifice was at that point.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like in the fall when,
1: when the first, I mean, I guess it literally came from the fall at the beginning,
0: and yeah. then
1: slaying the lamb
0: there. So, yeah, blood but, offering, sacrifice. Yeah, that that principle. But is they had angry. to know what right and wrong was at
1: that point in order to do that.
0: See how it, it's see how like it doesn't establish morality. Right, it's not introduction of morality to mankind, and nor is it instruction on you know. It, there's indications that God has commanded people to offer a certain way to Him, it, and even in Abraham, you know, a certain way to behave, a certain way to uh, to follow Him. So, key point morality is already there. Yeah, it, it, that's what the big takeaway is. So sometimes uh, you might hear it called the law. Sometimes it's called the Mosaic law. Sometimes it's called the Lord's law. Um, You'll also hear law introduced in other parts of the Bible, you know, law of the Medes and Persians. That's not the law we're talking about here. Uh, The law for rain in Job, I think it's 2826 where it talks about how there's an order or a law for how God has set up. It's kind of like gravity, right? Where where God has set up rain, um, general principles of the universe. And so there's other laws, like even in Romans, kind of the law of God, uh, how there's this kind of law of basically me fighting against like the law of myself fighting against what is, what, what is good. It's kind of the the law of his own mind, how that works, fighting against it. Anyway, not to get buried in the weeds here, but there's different uses of the word law. Let's just focus on the one that is the Mosaic law here in in relation to the Old Testament. In order to truly understand it and how it should be applied, we have to, understand the context of where it's coming from right the law of moses abraham existed it's believed to be about 400 years before moses and in the context at the end of genesis i think it's you know the nation of israel arriving in egypt Um, but then fast forward the nation has become enslaved in egypt it's a the context is a nation of people enslaved at, at the beginning of exodus and through plagues you know they get set free from egypt now they're again an independent nation god has delivered them from the nation from from egypt slavery uh, so you know whose laws did they follow when they were in egypt right they followed egyptian rule now the question becomes As they're an independent nation what laws do we follow as a nation how do we live how do we conduct ourselves and so that's the whole background that gets often overlooked when we're talking about the laws of Moses. That's where, it's, that's where it's coming from. So the whole context of the Mosaic law, new nation needing national laws, and especially if it's God's chosen nation, right? And They need God's laws. By the way, they're chosen because they're insignificant, you know, few in number. Um, there's multiple reference to this, and it kind of fits into the whole theme of God taking that which is insignificant and making it significant for his purposes, so... It's key to understand that that context as the nation of Israel receiving its laws, kind of like how we have laws today in America, but it's significantly different because that's God giving those laws. Anyway, that was a a side trail. But Genesis twenty-six, it kind of tells us, you know, there's also mentions throughout the the Old Testament as God is giving these laws. You know, it's because thus says the Lord your God, right? It's because God is God. tells us a little bit about who he is and anything that he gives carries that weight of authority as the creator of the universe, as the deliverer of the people of the nation of Israel. Uh, on top of that, it, it, you read in, I think it's Exodus 19, where they're first given the the law. People escape in 19 Israel at Mount Sinai, uh, where the Ten Commands were given. So basically they cross the river, they're out of Egypt, and Moses goes to Sinai, and it's kind of like, hey, you know, if do you agree agree to abide by what I say? And this is paraphrasing. You can read it in Exodus, uh, but it's, do you agree to to follow what I say as a nation? And he tells Moses. Moses goes down to the people. People say, yes. I mean, who wouldn't accept that deal, right? <laughs> like, uh, yes, God, I will. I will do what you say, and they they agree. That's where we get the Ten Commandments, and God's saying basically, okay, well here's here's my my law. Uh, and whenever we look at the law, it's kind of an uh, obey my voice and keep my covenants. Covenant is like a contract, promise usually with contingencies. Um, it's an if then, uh different than salvation that we read about in the New Testament, and that's the covenant that the nation of Israel in that time makes with with the lord and it's a nation of israel revealing and deciding if they want to enter this covenant with god so that's what we see here and like i said notice it's a national covenant for the nation or the people of israel and only the people of israel you know gentiles were not judged by the law of moses at that time nor were they expected to or forced to uh, nor were they called to spread the law of moses like we see in the new testament all over to the world that's it's that's for, that's for the nation of Israel to govern the nation of Israel. So we'll explore a few aspects of it. Um, in those laws, there's you can r- roughly loosely connect different types of the law. But it's not it was not part of the Jewish mandate to put this on other nations um, any more than you know that we put American laws and hold other nations to American law standard. So uh, it was our calling to obey just like the citizen of a, of a country. And the only difference, in the primary business, like difference, like I said, is that it was God-given. God li- gives them the laws so that they can become a beacon of light to the world. So is, isn't that cool? So it's God's picked a nation and says, this is how you'll run. And this is, these are the laws that I give you. This is what you agreed to in the covenant. That's the context. Uh, I like so context. <laughs>
1: So I'm reading right now, there are actually other laws before Exodus 19.
0: There might have been other laws. So they
1: they it's stuff like in Exodus 12 where Moses is telling the people like what to do for Passover.
0: Okay. So sort of loosely ceremonial. Um is that Genesis yeah. 128 is
1: considered a law.
0: And so, I mean, it's not the introduction of law and God, yeah, but, but God it's the speaks. first straight giving from right. It's to the nation of Israel. It's that yeah, covenant. It that's where they enter the covenant. so good good clarification there,
1: so the laws, the good ones, the weird ones, what are <laughs> there? so we're we're going to spend a good bit of time talking later on about. Matthew chapter five, sure, but what Jesus fulfilled did not abolish the laws. so what laws are we talking about right now that you know, and if we're talking about laws that apply to us today, then what in what regard do they apply to us today? How do they because they don't apply to us in the same way they applied in the Old Testament? We know that much, so we have to kind of figure out where we stand on that. so most theologians would separate laws. Into three categories, and we will describe these more throughout. But the laws can be, like you said, loosely categorized, morally, civilly, and ceremonially. Right. So we're gonna start with moral laws. These are these are the big ones, because in a sense they're still binding. And again, when I say still binding, I'm not saying binding unto salvation or anything like that but i am saying that this is god's morals of what is right and what is wrong that still stand today and jesus jesus dying for our sins did not change god's mind on what was right and wrong so these are these are kind of the matters of you know what's right what's wrong what's sin what is not sin they don't affect our salvation but they are binding in that they are to be obeyed we should try to follow them and they they do if our ultimate goal and our ultimate purpose is to reflect the image of god then we should reflect these as well the moral laws that is
0: yeah and i I think kind of the the biggest i guess when i think about moral law uh I think of 10 commandments, right? That's, that's what comes to mind. Chiefly it's in the 10 commandments that yes, there are other parts that do address it. And like we said, loosely overlapping, right? It's kind of hard in some circumstances, some things can sound, Oh, this might be ceremonial, but at the same time it might be civil um, or it could also be moral. That's why we say roughly or loosely, but first four of the the 10 commandments deal with man's relationship to God the last six deal with man's relationship to each other, and this is given in in Exodus. I believe it's yeah twenty. This is this is the beginning of ex- Exodus twenty. So have no other gods before me. It's an idiom. Uh, before my face. It's it, it translates to, it, roughly in in Hebrew. It translates to other than me, right? And you'll see yeah. that in certain translations. So if I'm a Christian, um. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't change how how that works, right? If I'm a Christian, we worship one god. Right? It blows out of the water. It's not you you don't say, okay, well, you, you do you worship your god and, you know, there's these different I can as long as god's primary and you can still worship these other things, you know, then then that's okay. No, it's monotheism. It blows polytheism out of the water and then Kind of like what we talked about worshiping God. Next thing is, you know, make shall not make yourself a carved image of, or any likeness that is in heaven or in the earth. So idolatry, right? Specifically where I was going with this is it's not like making an image of of something is is bad. I think the the key of the commandment is making an image of that and and bowing to it or like worshiping that thing. Uh that's that's the key. It's kind of one commandment there. After that. God's name is holy. You know, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes. Will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. Uh, here is about the Sabbath. Right, uh, shall do no work on the the seventh day. Part part of the Ten Commandments. It's written on stone, and for the Jew to viol- violate these, it's the death penalty. So, here we go. And then the last six tie into how we should should treat others. So some of these seem more obvious than others, but ultimately they are grounded in who God is. So it's stealing, bearing false witness against your neighbor. That's not just lying. That's not lying. It's lying to the intent of bearing false witness against your neighbor. So uh, I hate to pick at details there, but that's, that's what it is. If we want to truly understand what it is, that's what it's talking about. Coveting. um, And again, murder some of these moral laws seem more obvious than others but you know ultimately grounded in who god is um and it's almost like god anticipates though okay why should we follow these one they the nation of israel entered a covenant with god two look at exodus 20 verse 1 you know he he says god spoke these words saying i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery so, and then he proceeds to give the Ten Commandments. The reason why they obey this is, they should obey this is based on who God is as the author of it all. And, you know, he's sort of the, re- it's because who God is, right? He's the reason we have objective morality. He's, he's God, you know, it's kind of like a parent saying, you know, because I'm your parent. It's it's an appeal to his authority and, and who he is and who we are, Uh but or at least who the nation of Israel is um, at this time. But it's a national agreement, not a personal one-on-one relationship with the Lord, but a, but a national agreement. Anyway, let's move on to ceremonial laws.
1: Yeah, so we'll move to the opposite end of the spectrum here. These ceremonial laws are things that at least I think you and I would agree that we don't have to practice anymore. Not saying that there's... Not things that we can't learn, not saying throw out that portion of scripture, but here's what comes down to on ceremonial laws. If we look at the book of Hebrews, Christ fulfilled these specifically so that we don't have to fulfill ceremonial laws. These, this is things like sacrifices, right? Burn offerings. And in that sense, Jesus was the high priest. Yeah.
0: And these ceremonial laws, I think they pick up more in Exodus. I want to say that it's kind of in maybe in 25 and, and moving forward, not as if this is kind of like Exodus 25, not as if this is like the the pinpoint of where these begin. Uh, but you even see this more in Leviticus too, A book about the Levites, typically about cleanliness. Here's where we get verses and laws regarding the tab- tabernacle, how it could, how it should be built, God's house, where he dwelt in the presence of israel there's over 50 chapters dedicated to the way in which the tabernacle should be built by the way so it's it's interesting that that's uh throughout the old testament but you know it's the center of israel sacrifices atonement feasts where god's presence would be um, and how god's presence should be in the camp and on top of that there were laws for levitical priests from the lineage of levi right and then Within that lineage of Levi, there is Aaronic priest. So from the from the lineage of Aaron, how different laws applying to them. But here's where also where we see washing of hands. Here's where we see what not to eat, how we should handle a dead body. Um, here's where we see we shouldn't eat pork or shellfish, right? Uh, it, all this was good in the sense that it made the Jewish people very healthy. a a healthy people. Um, We know now that shellfish and pork had a high risk of disease. Also, there were rules on cleanliness, like if somebody bled, you shouldn't touch them for a certain amount of time. If somebody had leprosy, leprosy could have described multiple skin diseases. There was a process for that uh, to keep the safety and health of the people. So these were good laws, but you have to understand it where where in the context they were. Um, these are good. These are good laws for the for the people. Um, and then I think the next category we have is uh, judicial laws.
1: And so these are kind of in the middle between ceremonial and moral. Yeah. And so jud- judicial laws can range. They're, they can be based on society and the culture of the day. They can be somewhat civil. And depending on the law, it may be something that is just helping you follow a moral law or have a better understanding of a moral law. So a lot of the judicial laws are really just taking principles of the Ten Commandments and applying them to different elements of life. So they still, depending on the judicial law, these are things that could be useful to us. And again, you know, society and culture of the day, maybe not so much applicable, but what was that? And, you know, these are the lines that you have to figure out where to draw sometimes. It can be, a, it can be a hard call. Yeah. Um, but overall civil laws, they still exist today. This was a really good set of civil laws for their day and age.
0: Yeah, it is revolutionary in a good way. So I think I wrote it down as civil laws. I focused it more on the civil side rather than judicial, you know, kind of one and the same, but yeah. Effective how to live life, you know, like you said, we see that today with we even have like arbitrary laws in here. So even in you might look at a lot of these laws and say, oh, well, this is, you know, kind of arbitrary to that that time. But even an arbitrary law is important once it's been given. Right. It's kind of like how we look at driving on the right side of the road. Like, why is it important to drive on the right side of the road? You know, <laughs> it violating it would would impact the safety of, of people. If you drove on the wrong side of the road, you know, that's going to put you at risk and other people at risk. But uh, on top of that, violating it is wrong because it's via- going against the law. You're going to get a ticket for it. Um, so you might see it as arbitrary, some of them. But it, for the context of that time, it was good. And it was what was needed for the nation of Israel. But important to the nation of Israel because it basically set a – it was a set of shared standards. But uh, it made it a just and humane society. Um, it limited inhumane behavior this type of law inhumane behavior toward women children slaves strangers you know foreigners of the nation of Israel and it radically elevated human rights within the the nation of Israel so i i think we we often approach the the mosaic law and say um I don't know if this one applies to me or not. Or, you know, you, we look at another one and just go like, Oh yeah, well, okay. I like this one. So we're, this one applies to me. Note that to the Jew of that time, each of those 613 laws and just kind of summarizing this section on the different types of laws, each of these 613 or so was binding. That's the law of God for the nation of Israel that he has given. And so it going back to that warning of, of picking and choosing, when we look at these, note that it, note the context, right? You can still draw principles from them, but it's not like we choose this law because we like it, and we don't pick this law because we don't like it. It's not a pick and choose thing, as the New Testament will will, will show. But it's kind of like to the to the Jewish people, that's kind of like saying, "Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I like the speeding laws." Uh, in in america but you know laws on on child abuse drug trafficking i I don't know if i'll i'll follow those no like you're 100 going to jail if you violate those other laws and that's kind of the idea of the old testament law that was given that's binding god's word this is why the multiple times you'll see in the new testament like a strong uh, chastening uh, against people who say only obey some and disobey others and hold people to still hold people to the law. Like I'm thinking Judaizers and Galatians here, but that, I guess that's kind of the tie and jump into the New Testament. So now that we looked at the Old Testament, we'll explore a little bit about what the New Testament has to offer. And this will be something, and I think we discussed this uh, a little bit earlier, we might actually end up breaking it into two, two separate episodes here. You might be witnessing history of the first ever two-parter, two-parter uh, in, in Bible study history. took us long enough. but next episode, what we'll do is we'll cover the application of it. How does it impact us today?
1: Let's look at look first John chapter five, verse two.: So to start out at the beginning, the overall point of the chapter. Is it's literally about overcoming the world, right? It's talking to believers. It says, Whoever believers, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, sorry, so we're talking about believers born of God, and whoever loves the Father, right? Do we love God? Um, child born of him. So verse two then says, But this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. So a big thing. We see throughout, I think a lot in our modern day, is people saying, oh, well, love replaced the law. So if I love, Mm -hmm. that's me following the law. Yes. I phrased it a little too generously. That's not what they would say. (laughs) They would say, I love so I don't have to follow the law. That's not what this is saying. Verse 2 is saying, you know, it, it says right there, we love the children of God. We love God. And... Observe his commandments, right? Observing his commandments is our way of showing love to him, right? Being Christ-like. So the law does not, you know, give salvation. Again, we go back to that over and over again, because that's very important for us to keep (laughs) emphasizing. But for those of us who have received salvation, it does have that. Like, if we want to be Christ-like, we love, love your neighbor, right? Love God. You love God you Will observe his commandments, so that kind of brings into question what is the law of God versus the law of Christ, as people would refer to you know, the law of God in the Old Testament, the law of Christ in the New Testament. Well, they're one, and again, go back to the fact that Jesus and Jesus and God are the same being, they're both God, Christ's New Testament law. Although it fulfills the old testament, you know, it takes our punishment, it can't just get rid of God's morals. Yeah. Right? Christ can't contradict God. They're not sitting up there in heaven having an arm wrestling match to see <laughs> whose law is gonna win, who, who who whose morals are right. So but they work through it all, right? They work together. Let's turn now to Second Corinthians chapter five.
0: And while you're while you're doing that. I just want to make a point on on that. Whenever you first like mentioned God's law versus the law of Christ, it was a little (laughs) like, oh, it was a little grating on the ears. But, um, but I think the the message of that is, yeah, it's it's that they're one and the same. That's the big takeaway. And I think you'll find as we'll cover more next week, we'll we'll begin to see how that's how that's the case, how they're consistent Old Testament and New Testament um but yeah are you there yep so w-
1: what happens if we don't follow the law as believers we will answer for our good and bad works before Christ now not to the point of salvation right if we are saved but our good and bad works have to be based on something so let's look at 2 Corinthians 5:10 it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ it says all not just talking about unbelievers. It's he's writing to believers. It says, mm-hmm. "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, including himself, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad." All right? So we all must answer what we've done, for good and bad. What is our good and bad based off of? God's word. All right. God's morals. And does God tell us what's right and wrong? Yeah, he does. So, you know, before we ask the question, you know, how do we know what's right and wrong? Well, it's right here in the Old Testament. God gives it to us objectively. Laws point out the sin in our lives. They point out the life or the sin in the life of a believer. And there's somewhat of like a guide or a fence to us, even if you will. Um, Not a fence that we can get over pretty easily but a point to where we know where we're supposed to be at or where God wants us to be in our lives. And again, I'm talking about moral laws specifically here because I don't yeah. want to blur that line and be like ceremonial laws. Cause again,
0: we can't eat. Yeah. We can't eat
1: pork. Right. If, yeah, exactly. And then we can, like, that's another something we'll get into in the next episode is what does it take to override a law? And so like, you think of like the pork, like <laughs> there was literally a vision about that and specifically states that in the new testament but not every law was pulled back so we'll talk about that too anyway objectively laws point out the sin in our lives and they're a guide to us but we do say we say a lot of times all we have to do is love god and keep bringing this back and i guess i'm guilty of it too i've probably said it how do we love god the law teaches us
0: how Jesus teaches us how. If you love me, keep my commandments. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Jesus teaches us the law. By loving him, you learn the law. Jeremiah 31, 33. This is just another Old Testament. This is kind of a fun one because it's an Old Testament quote about the law that is speaking about the law in New Testament times, if you will.
0: So Jeremiah 31, verse 33,
1: says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, right?" declares the Lord. I will put my law, speaking of Jesus or the Holy Spirit, I guess, within them and on their heart, and I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Right. so he's talking there basically about giving us the Holy Spirit to live within us right and so an interesting thing you know in John 1 1 you know the Word was with God and the Word was God it's referring to the word as Jesus Jesus is the Word of God and so here it's speaking about the Holy Spirit as being the law right and the law is in our heart right because Jesus is in our heart God's there he's with us so, it's there we can't you know ignore it and we're again we're going to talk next episode about you know jesus fulfillment of that and how do we how do we rationalize what we're going to do and what we're not going to do based on that there's a yeah. lot more information to cover
0: the application that's, that's the start again welcome to the first ever two-parter series of of bible study history not to make that much of a big deal of it but I'm sure it's there'll be more deal. to come. It, it is a big deal, but <laughs> but not not as big as a, a, a deal of the material that we're talking about. So just to recap, no, that's fair. We talked a little bit about the Old Testament. We talked we gave a basic outline of what we're trying to accomplish with this two part series. It initially was a one part series, but then you know just time constraints. Now a two part series. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the Old Testament. We set some context for the giving of the law, right? How, you know, that it was set, or the Mosaic law rather, right? Because there's plenty of laws in the Old Testament. The Mosaic law gave some context for that, how it was applied to the nation of Israel and was given for that specific time to govern, to help guide their interactions, uh, to point to moral truth. Again, didn't establish moral truth, but pointed to it and, and how God should be worshiped and honored. And then we talked a little bit about, you know, different types of laws, uh, gave a, a distinct breakdown, how they're roughly, again, rough categorization of these laws, because some of them can overlap and they can play together, but they ultimately serve the, the same purpose of, of being a guide to that nation of Israel. And then last but not least, we talked a little bit about the binding of them. We're not bound to the law for salvation here and if you can take anything away from this episode that's the thing here as as a believer today. You know, we're not bound to these laws for our salvation. That's what we have Jesus for. That's we'll talk about more about his fulfillment of the law in the next episode and the application. But you know, just just think on this. Here's the challenge. Think about one, how often do you think about the old testament whenever you're reading your bible and two if maybe if you heard some of these things that we're talking about and you're like you know i didn't know that the challenge is to explore that a little bit more because we'll come back to that we'll give a you know i'm sure we'll give a summary of it um, before we we dive in to the the, the jesus part and the application part uh, to believers today but that's the challenge read ups on your old testament um know why it is good you know don't Don't shy away from the Old Testament because it's not – Jesus isn't in it. Rather, we would tell you that Jesus is in it, and it points forward to Jesus. Again, thanks for joining us today. That was a little bit about the Old Testament law. And uh, with that, walk steady. steady. Enjoy your walk. (laughs)